give life, you are love, you give light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken.
Uplift his name, the spirit falls like rain. 
Word of God, He does erase. You'll know without a doubt He's going to move. And when the Word cuts like a sword, hungry hearts, they cry for more. Oh, I came here expecting God to
soul singing how great thou art this morning. When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow with humble adoration. Thank you for the offering today. I want to uh, apologize for a start from my voice. I know that uh, I'm, I'm speaking, that's it. That's all I can say, I'm talking. But I had a hard time this week, had a rough go of it, me and my wife. It ain't about me, so I'm not going to talk about me. But I know what the enemy's been trying to put me down and uh, get me sick. And uh, we had a rough while, but... I've been wondering all week, God, what have you got planned for Sunday? What have you got planned? You know, people's going on vacation. It's good to get away. I praise God. I, get, I like to get away myself sometimes. Can I tell you something? I miss you, but it's not you that I really miss. It's what I miss is the very presence of God. I don't have to ask you when you go on vacation, do you miss being here because if you love God and you have the Spirit of God in you, you miss when God's people get together. And I want to tell you something. That I know. I can ask Chris and April and whoever's gone on vacation. When you're gone and it comes Sunday time, you know where your heart is. Because I've been out west many times. And I've thought, what's going on at church at this time? What's going on right now? And you know what? I know there's faithful people here. There's faithful people working in God's house. And I praise God for that because God's looking for faithful people. We talked about that last week. And I thank God for his grace and mercy. But whoever is here today, it's meant for us to be here. And I don't want to talk to you. This is not a place to entertain. It's really not a place for all those things. But I want you to hear something. God didn't send me out here to say hi to you this week. He didn't send me out here. He didn't bring you here for a few minutes to give God a little bit of time of your life. No, I want you to tell you something. I want to talk about the very plan of salvation. I want to talk about what God is looking at today. And I want to talk about what he's done for you and I. And I want to first say this. Sin costs something. How many knows that's true? Did you know sin has a price to it? 
When you go to the judge and you're guilty, guess what? There's a price to pay. There's an accountability. I'm not your judge. I am, I'm just like you. I get there and I say, oh, I hope they have mercy. I hope they give us a little bit of a break. I hope they give us a little grace. But can I tell you something? In the presence of God, he knew where man was. He made us. He gave us this life. I want you, if you got your Bible, to turn to Genesis chapter 3. And I want to look at one verse there. And I want you to turn and look at it if you've got your Bible because it's important. I want you to hear it. This is the words that God gave me this week. This is what he put on my mind. There's a suffering for sin. How many knows there's a suffering for sin? You are in sin today. I want you to hear this. You that are in sin today, and I, you might be a child of God, but you might have got into something. You might have drifted into something. I'm going to tell you something. There is a suffering for sin. Now, you can say what you want. You can accept what you want. You can put it all on Christ and say it don't matter. But I sit and watch. I watch and I look in the word of God. And I realize that every time man falls into sin, there's a price to pay. King David paid a great price. Those that have drifted away from the gospel paid a great price. And Paul warned them, and Paul was constantly against those false doctrines and those Jewish people coming in and trying to put down the apostles. <coughs> but I want you to look at verse 15. You've heard it all your life, but I'm going to say, uh, speak it. It says, and I will put enmity. This is God bringing the judgment. He's bringing, how many knows God has the right to judge the way he sees it? He's the righteous. He's the one that put them in the garden. He's the one who made the garden. He's the one who made Adam and Eve. But when the serpent came and, and beguiled Eve, in the 13th verse, then you can find that Eve falls for it. How many know Satan's still doing the same tricks? He ain't changed. But listen here. It says, I will put enmity. What's enmity? That means a hatred. That means a division. He, he's making this an enemy. God's saying this to the serpent. He says, I will put in between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I've heard that all my life, but can I tell you something? I want you to hear this. This, this is talking about a great warfare. God has proclaimed a war going on from that day forward. Man falls and guess what happens? God declares war between Satan and what he has done to God's garden. What he has done to that relationship with mankind. God has told the serpent, from this day on there's going to be a war between your seed, Satan, and between your seed, those, those that follow him, those that follow Satan. How many know Satan even said in the 14th chapter of Isaiah, I will rise myself up, I will raise. He had all these I wills. He's going to take over God's place. He's going to be on the most high. He wanted to take God's place. That's why he showed up in the garden. He wanted to destroy God's pure walk with mankind, the fellowship that God had made with mankind. How many knows what was the greatest sorrow of that chapter the sorrow is 
God can't walk with man the same way no more. He was put out of the garden. What? What caused it? Disobedience and sin. It's simple. And guess what causes our problem today? Disobedience and sin. When we know God's word and we disobey, we put ourselves in a place where we're against God. We're in sin. And I can tell you, God's only provided one way for it. And it says here, it says, War is proclaimed between the serpent seed, which the serpent seed brings corruption. How many knows what I just said? The, the serpent seed, when he plants in your mind that same beguiling, what is a beguiling? The, the devil came and beguiled Eve. He came and he deceived her. He entertained her. He charmed her. He amused her. He told her, you can be like God. You can have that. He's just trying to keep that from you. How many knows when God, when the enemy hangs that carrot in front of you, listen to me, young people, when he hangs a carrot in front of you and says, it's okay, everybody else has got it, you ought to have it too. How many knows he's doing the same thing he did to Eve all the way back in the garden? He's laying out something for you to grab a hold of. Oh, I can have that, but guess what? There's a price to pay, young people. Young people, old people, there's a price to pay. When you step into this area where you let the enemy entertain your mind, guess who you're following? You're following the seed of corruption. And Paul said it real clear. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Satan corrupted the life with God. Man was put out of the garden. The serpent's seed is corruption, but grace is in the woman's seed. How many knows his name? His name is Jesus. And from that time on, I want you to understand something. This is the first prophetic word about Jesus coming. Hear what I'm telling you. It's in the woman's seed because at the end of it it says, And her seed it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Not her heel, bruise his heel. Whose heel is he talking about? Talking about the Savior. He's talking about the seed of the woman. Jesus Christ was coming, and Jesus Christ was told to all of the apostles or all of the prophets of old and told of the, of the word and the word of God that he was coming. The Messiah was coming, the Holy One. He would change things. <coughs> and he, here's what he will do. He will bruise the head of Satan. How many know Satan's head's got a bruise on it? You know, it, it, it hurt Jesus to die on the cross. And, and it hurts the Christian today when you try to walk in this world. Because you find out you don't fit. Our flesh don't fit with this spiritual walk. It just don't want to go there. We constantly got this uh, temptations and trials and things that's constantly coming against us. But we want to fit what the world's doing. I want to know where I fit in. I want to know where I can get the most money. I want to know where I get the most things that I can get. And how many of those? That's what the enemy's doing. He's saying, follow the carrot. Follow what God, but don't follow what God's telling you to do. 
because you'll be bored to death. You'll be sick. You'll be sorry. You'll be wishing you, you're going to miss everything going on. Your poor little young age, you're going to miss it. I'm going to tell you something. I was young not just too long ago. You ain't believe that or not. I can remember it like it's yesterday. I can remember running home from school. I can remember playing basketball in school. I can remember playing football in school. I can remember doing all those things just like it's yesterday. My life's just a little vapor went by. Where's it at? I got a picture of it once. Well, I'll prove I was back there. That's about it. But I can tell you right now, my body don't tell me I'm, I'm that person no more. I know I'm heading out of here. I'm on the other side of the hill heading down. And I ain't worried. Because, see, I found out that I'm on his side. I'm on the grace side. I'm on the Savior's side. Not because of me, because of what he's done for me. But can I tell you something? I don't care who you are. See what I'm telling you today. See what I'm saying to you because I believe God has been sending messages. And I think these are the messages. <coughs> One of them is he wants you to be faithful. He wants you to wait on him. He wants you to be faithful. But he wants his people to suffer for the gospel's sake. Suffer to stay away from sin. If that costs you, that's a fine. It costs Jesus. Why shouldn't we suffer with him? If he carried the gospel and he didn't do nothing but love, they couldn't find one thing wrong with him. Yet everything that he tried to do, they hated him. They hated him until they snuck and arrested him in the middle of the night and put him on a cross the next day. They did a dirty trick on him. They pulled everything. And you do think that God was in the blind? God sent him to do that. Yeah. I want you to hear it. God sent him. God knew exactly the price that had to be paid. God knew exactly man could not rescue himself from his own sinful life. But Jesus came. Why? What's the difference? He came as a man. He came as you and me. He became one of us so he could pay our price for us. I will tell you something. That's what makes you rejoice when these songs are sung. Because I know I couldn't save myself. I couldn't rescue myself. My mom and daddy couldn't rescue me. My brothers and sisters couldn't rescue me. But Jesus rescued me. And he's the one that's rescued you. <clears throat> Satan's still playing the same tricks. Paul, it says he was buffeted. Peter was sifted. And he also, Peter said, that he's like a roaring lion. He seeks to devour people. How many know Satan is out to destroy? He's out to after every person and the world, but he's out after Christians too. See, he wants to break that yoke with God. He don't want you to serve God. He don't want you to love God. He don't want you to get up and say, it's Sunday, I'm going to church. I don't care how I feel or what's going on in my family. I'm going to get up and I'm going to live for God. I've done declared it in my heart and I'm not changing my mind. And if you don't make up your mind to do that, guess what? The devil will talk you out of it. He'll talk you out of it. If you don't make up your mind, I'm going to be a child of God. <coughs> and he'll keep you on the outside looking in. 
Genesis 3.21. One more verse down there. I want you to see this. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. What does that mean? It's the first sign of God killing one of his animals. You hear what I'm telling you? It's the first sign of the sacrifice. God had to cover up man's shame. I mean, here's what I just said. See, when you sin, God's got to have a covering for your sin. He's got to have something to block the shame upon you that you've brought on him. And so what does he do? He, he took these animals and he made coats of skin and he clothed them and he covered them. Well, I want you to hear that because I want you to know God's the first one to do it. See, we got such a love for animals today. I think they'd rather people die and let the animals live. I wouldn't doubt they'll vote one for a president the way we're out we're going. Because they can figure out how they, how they uh, can read what they're saying. probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Genesis 4.4. 4. Now I want you to hear this. Genesis 4.4. 4, this is Abel. Now I want you to hear what Abel did. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Why did he have respect? Number one, Abel was looking in his heart. I know it is father and mother. It doesn't say what happened. But somewhere in there, Carl, I believe, father and mother, Adam and Eve, <coughs> I believe somewhere they taught their sons, you and I were put out of, we were put out of the garden, and for we have to bring an offering to God, to approach God. Somewhere in there that was going on, the covering. Because man was of a fallen state from that time on. Did you know what I just said? Man's of a fallen state means he's corrupting. Did you know before you were, they were put out of the garden, they were not corrupting? You hear what I'm saying? <coughs> they had the tree of life. They had all the things that God had provided for. God not only made them, but he made provision for them. And here he is, and, Adam, and Adam's two sons, Abel and Cain, Cain brought her the field of what he grew, and Abel had it in his mind to bring the blood of an innocent lamb before God. Now, I want to tell you something. Somewhere in there, God saw in Abel's heart. God saw what was going on in Abel's heart. I'm doing this because I'm giving the blood life of this animal that's mine to God. It cost him something, didn't it? Now, you know what? God got to the place. Listen to me. Because he set up the sacrificial system and the law. But can I tell you something? You knew it was coming. But when he did put it and he set it up, God come to a place where he was sick of the blood of goat and, and lambs. He was sick of it. Why? Because man was doing the same thing they're doing today. Oh, I'll just go and ask God to forgive me, and I'll go right back and sin tomorrow and do the same thing over. And they were doing the same thing in Israel. They would just keep killing lamb after lamb after lamb, and there was no sorrow in their heart for their sin. 
There was no godly sorrow. They didn't change their way. There was no repentance in them. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You come today and you come to church and you feel guilty. God speaks to your heart. You come and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I have messed up. I've sinned. <coughs> you can say all these things. You can come up here and you can, we can declare to you that God says he forgives you. But can I tell you something? If you ain't made up your mind to change your way, you go right back to doing what you're doing. The enemy will get right back in your door. That's exactly what Israel's been doing. They did that with the sacrificial system. They're doing it with the gospel today. That's why it's so important that we have the presence of God. That's why it's so important that the Spirit of God works in the church. He will convict souls. He will correct us. I want you to turn to Isaiah 53, if you've got your Bible. This is called the suffering servant. This is a, a, a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Isaiah wrote this about Jesus Christ. 712 B.C. is what's written in my, one of my Bibles. 712 B.C. is when Isaiah got this prophecy and wrote it down. And I want you to understand something. That's 712 years before Jesus even born. And yet it's talking about the suffering servant, the suffering Savior that's coming. You think Israel didn't have their eyes on? What's wrong with the Israelites, the religious people, that knows that God is coming back? They can read the signs. Connie, they can read the signs. They know the day that we're in. And yet they don't repent. They don't come to God. They're not looking to come to God. going to read all this, but I wrote down 3 through 12, but I want you to go down because it talks about how he bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, by his stripes were healed, and all the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. But I want you to look at verse 10 of Isaiah 53, and I like this because, see, I want you to know something. God demanded the price. You hear what I just said? I said it earlier. God demands a price for sin. When Jesus came to pay the price for our sin, he not only was doing it for all those prophets and all those that was looking forward to him coming, but all those that would be after him. One time, he's going to pay a price. But I want you to hear this. Verse 10 said, yet it pleased the Lord. It pleased who? It pleased God? You mean it pleased God to bruise him? How many hears what I just said? It pleased God to bruise his own son. Why? Because the judge says, I want righteousness. I want a price paid for the sin that was committed. So he laid it on his son. And his son went willingly and paid the price. Now, I want to tell you that because, see, you've got to understand something. You can think you're sinning and getting away with it, but you ain't getting away with nothing. You remember this. Don't look at the Roman soldiers and think they hung Jesus on the cross. Don't even look at the Jewish people and say they said it would be on their, their uh, children or children's children. Don't even blame them. Blame your sin also. Because your sin and my sin is what put him on the cross. If it wasn't that way, we wouldn't have a Savior. 
The only chance we got is through Jesus Christ. It said it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Jesus paid a great grief for what he had to do. Oh, it was beautiful when he was born in a manger. He looked so little, pretty little baby. Just an innocent little baby then. But no, he stayed innocent all the way to the end. Why? Because he was on his father's word. He was on his father's mission. And he had a price to pay for me and you. And we're here today because Jesus stayed faithful and true to the word of God. He was the suffering for our sins. Don't you understand? He suffered for our sins. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, God said, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Listen to verse 11. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Wow, that tells something about God. I don't know about you, but that tells me something about God. He saw the travail in Christ, his own son's soul. He saw it, and he was satisfied with it. Praise God, God was appeased. See, if he ain't satisfied, we're still in trouble. But he was satisfied. God was satisfied because Jesus took all those all the shame and all of the uh, spitting and all of the, the striking of him and all of the whipping on his backs. He took everything. And yet the father says, I'm satisfied. You paid it. You paid the price. And Jesus offered himself as a lamb and he died. He even said, and this, this is the part that gets me. He goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I come and did your word, but you're forsaking me. I can tell God is turned away from me. He can't look upon the sins. But there was our Savior hanging there. My God, why have you forsaken me? I'm going to tell you something. That's like being put out of the garden. They were put out of the garden, and they were, they were, they were put away from God. God wouldn't walk with them no more. But for there for a time, Jesus had to just die as a lamb, sacrificed. I want you to know that because, see, sin costs something. It cost our Savior everything. And he came willingly and paid my price and your price. And we ought to rejoice with him. We ought to be glad to suffer with him. Don't you know that the word of God... All through the word of God after that, he tells us to suffer with him. All through it, I got, a, I got two pages of scriptures on suffering. I know you don't want to hear them, but I can read them to you. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He will, he will uh, eat, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors and bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He made the transition. He made, the, he made the, uh, for our transgressions, for our sins, he paid that price. God required the suffering for the sin price to be paid. Jesus paid it. Now this was written before it ever happened. 
Jesus came and you know the story. You know how he grew up. He told them, he gave the message the Father sent for everyone to repent. <coughs> but then he laid his life down and he died. Because why? He came to his own. His own was receiving not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become sons of God. We're children of God only because we accept what Jesus did for us at Calvary. I can't earn it. My suffering in this life. You know what? Suffering is not because I had a sickness this week. Can I tell you that? My suffering and your suffering is not because you've had some problems in your life. No, when you suffer for the gospel's sake, that's different. You suffer for what's right. Hear what I'm telling you. Jesus suffered to do what was right before all of Israel. Whether they liked it or not, he was going to do his father's will. And they couldn't understand. No man ever spoke like this man, Andy. Nobody could talk like Jesus. Why? Because he spoke God's words to them. He revealed the scripture. The scripture came out and jumped on them. And that's why they hated him. He didn't, they didn't want nothing to do with him. We don't want nothing to do with him because he wants to change our ways. He wants to tell us, get off yourself and get back on what, you, what God's called you to be. Excuse me, I'm trying not to holler at you. I ain't got no voice to do it. But I know what God's saying. In Galatians 1, 3, he says this, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Praise God. I don't know about you, but grace has come to us, Bobby. We was nobody, but grace came to me and you. And when they tell me it's my ne I'm next, I'm going to stand up. Because I'm saying it's my turn to go home, I'm going home. Because I know where my, my future is, where my hope is. And I can read stuff like that and then I can realize this world ain't got no hope. We're in a hopeless time. I don't know if you know it or not. Without Jesus, you've got no hope. So you can treat him like, I'll just show up and give him my half hour for church. But the truth is, I don't want nothing to do with that gospel stuff. I don't know nothing about it and don't want to learn nothing about it. I'm too old to do that. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you young people are ten times smarter than we were. Or, ten, or you think you are anyway. Ten times smarter than most of us are. I'll put it that way. But can I tell you something? Get smart enough to look into this gospel till you find the truth. Because there's truth in this word. And it come from him. It didn't come from me. It ain't coming from us. He called it the foolishness of preaching. But I'm telling you, it comes because God sends it. He's trying to get a hold of our hearts. He's trying to get us to understand the price that sin has been costing our world and our nation. You ain't never going to have the utopia here, you think. The the paradise you think you're going to have. There's going to be always something that the enemy's going to try to get into. Sometimes you moms and dads can start growing in the Lord. Boy, I, you know, me and Shirley were just praising God and thanking God at times, and then other times we'd be doing that, and all of a sudden a 
everything in the world to happen. Our kids get problems. Our grandkids get problems. Our cars get problems. Our work has problems. And I'm thinking, man, don't the devil take a break? Give me a break. You know, I want to be happy. But you know what? This ain't the happy. The happy's not uh, in this world. The happy's in him. Be in him, you'll be happy. Stay in him, be happy. Fight yourself off. Fight off every enemy. And if it costs suffering, praise God. Count yourself glorified that I get to suffer for the gospel. And I'm not talking about, like I said, your physical hurts. I'm talking about standing up for the gospel truth. Stand up to your children. Stand up to your grandchildren. Stand up to your parents. But tell the truth about the gospel. Know it inside of you. Get it inside. Get your heart right with God. Some of you wives, it would be good for you to tell your husbands, get over it. Let it go. Ooh, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to look at you, Charlie. <laughs> but sometimes we allow little things to keep us irritated, and, and, and we can't hardly get along with nobody. And sometimes I think, God, I'm so miserable to everybody around me, they don't nobody want to be around me. Now, how can I preach Jesus? You can't talk about it because you can't suffer nothing. We can't put up with nothing. We, you think Jesus was patted on the back every time he, he gave a good word? No. They were setting plots and plans to kill him. And they just kept building their hatred. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay our lives down for others. How many knows you? Get over yourself. Quit being so selfish. Jesus saved you for a reason. He saved you so you can suffer for the gospel and bring the truth of him to somebody's soul. Somebody needs Jesus today. If God's done with this world, he'll stop this world in its place. And he'll take his children home. But there's lost souls out there drifting off into hell every day. And we don't have time to talk to them. We, don't, we are too much wrapped up in our own little world. And I'm not picking on you. I, I have fight myself every day. But I want to tell you something. This, this sermon, this group of scriptures got on my heart. Because God says, suffer for me. And I'm not talking about, I'm going to die on the cross. But i got to pick up my cross and follow him. And whatever that costs me, that costs me. Whatever that costs you, it'll cost you. I can't put your, your world, your moms and dads try their best to plan your days and plan your life. And help you get a good education. Help you get all these things. They want you to have money in the bank. And a house paid for. And all these things. You work at all your life. For what? You do all of that and then you die. Give it to somebody else to fight and argue about. <laughs> or the nursing home wants it. And the only thing good I see in a nursing home. They do got good jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> That's about all I see. Pitiful, ain't it? Pay all that money and get a good jigsaw puzzle. 
Christ is our example. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For he, even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judges righteousness. He committed himself to his father. Father, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for them. And I commit all of the, this attack on me. I commit it to you. You do what's right, God. I'll take whatever you say, Lord. Are we willing to do that? Or do we have to fight our own battles? Do we always have to have the last word? You cannot defend yourself enough in this world. Satan is going to override you and he's going to over, overpower you by yourself. You can't do it in you. Only in him. Only in him can I be an overcomer. Only in him can I put a smile on my face right in the middle of trial. Why? Because I know my Lord watches over me. Did you know everything you see, God sees? That's how close he is to you. Everything your eyes see, every temptation comes your way, every trial, every hurt, every up and down, every good day and bad day. Don't you know God's with you always? If you allow him, don't you realize he sees it? Don't you think he knows how to judge righteously and defend you right? He will. Might not happen just the way you think it ought to happen. Because, see, God cares about the ones that's making the offense. He cares about all. He cares about who's watching you when you're getting offended. Praise God. I'm glad I don't slam on my brakes, jump out and whip some Everybody cuts me off. My kids would probably be doing that if I'd done that. You know, sometimes I just got to wave at them and go on. And I wave with all five fingers. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that either. <laughs> That's bad, ain't it? <laughs> Becky, come on back up on that one. I want you to hear what First Peter uh, 4 1 Peter 4, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear it. And, and on, the on the top of my Bible, Liz, it's, it's titled Victory, Victory Over Sin. This is Peter writing. Peter says in the fourth chapter, the first verse, 1 Peter, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he hath suffered in the flesh, listen to this, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Uh-oh, listen to me. You want to get victory? Do you want to get victory over your sin? Listen to me. You're going to have to suffer. It says here, it says here that for he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That means I suffer 
to be a child of God, and I'm putting every temptation to the side. See, Jesus put all his temptations to the side, didn't he? Everything Satan came at Jesus, even in the garden, he put it aside. He put it aside. Guess where he got his victory at when he started putting, when he put his father's will first. You hear what I'm telling you? You suffer in the flesh for the gospel's sake, for the righteousness in it. Do what's right in your, no, in your heart. Listen to me, Christian. This is the best news I can give you. Do what's right in every situation because the enemy's trying to get in. You might think it's just a little squabble between you and a brother or you and a sister or you and somebody else, but listen to me. The enemy's trying to get in. Do suffer for doing right. Refuse to change the bar. Uh-oh, now we're really getting a message. You mean I ain't got no excuses? I can't, I can't even have a bad attitude? I can't go home and kick the wall? You might have apologized to the wall. You know what? God expects you to handle what he's telling you. And he says, don't refuse. He said, refuse to change God's bar. I'm not changing God's bar. I don't care what they pass in the laws in the United States of America. Are you going to change your ways? Are you going to change God's ways because the world's decided we can share in the sin in the worldly ways? Because that's what the church is doing. And then they wonder why there's no victory. There's no victory because they refuse to suffer in the flesh. The, the sin will get away. Can I tell you something? God will bless what you do if you'll do it for him. He can't bless when you go compromising. He's not going to. See, we don't change God's bar. Did you know God's words never change? Jesus fulfilled it, and it's still true today. It don't need to change. It's right. We're the ones that's supposed to change. We're to keep the priorities. Keep your priorities to obedience in Christ. How I many here's that? Be obedient to Christ in the priorities of your life. My priorities is I'm a child of God. I will live for him. I will pray about all things. I will read his word and I will bury it in there that I might not sin against God. If you don't stay with it, guess what? The enemy's waiting to get in the door. He wants you to compromise. He wants you to not suffer in the flesh. Oh boy, that's, that's my ticket. I like that not suffering in the flesh stuff. But how many knows we've been called to suffer in the flesh? That means surrender all and depend on him. Connie said it Sunday school. We need to be dependent upon him. The apostles were dependent upon him. Rejoice, verse 13, but rejoice in so much that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. Sixteen. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Where? 
Wherefore let them, verse 19, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto the faithful Creator. How many knows that faithful Creator is? God Himself knows when you've suffered for Him. He knows when you've suffered for the gospel's sake. He knows when you've suffered because people hate the, the God in you. He knows when you've suffered for Him. Commit yourself to Him. I want to tell you something. This salvation works. This gospel works. This truth I'm telling you today works. But you'll have to commit yourself first. See, I know every sin that still comes up in my life or your life, don't you know there's a price to pay? Jesus paid the price for us to have salvation. But if you go back into sin, listen to me, you go back into sin, there's going to be a price to pay. You're going to have to bring yourself back and repent of your sin again. And that's as God opens that door. See, we got a world that thinks you can have it both ways. And you're not ever going to get away with that. That's not God's way. You're not suffering for the gospel. You've changed the bar. You've dropped your priorities. I'm going to quit there. God knows the words that he spoke today. He knows what we're dealing with in the days that we're living in. I, I just like the rest of you. Sometimes I sit back and I think, Lord, one day we're just going to wake up and we're going to be in heaven in the twinkling of an eye. You know that's so fast, you can't stop and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Twinkling of an eye is too fast. Twinkling of an eye is going to happen. He's coming to get his church right then. In the twinkling of an eye, it says. So you know what? If you're going to do something, you're going to have to do it on, your, on the time God gives you here. You keep ignoring that. You keep walking in the sin and thinking God's letting you get away with it. You're not getting away with nothing. You're going to be brought to the day when you know what you need to do. Now, I ain't going to tell you. I'm not your judge. I'm not trying to be your judge. But I'll tell you, you're going to suffer for the gospel's sake. You're going to say, for me to be a Christian, i got to walk the whole way. i got to walk in it, and i got to stay in it. I'm not trying to put something on you you can't do. If you couldn't walk this, God would not have made it this way. God put it on the shelf for every one of us. It's the same for you as it is for me. It's the same for the biggest preachers you see on TV. They have got to come to the place where they're willing to suffer for the gospel's sake. Suffer for doing the gospel truth. We have to do this. This is our call. Don't let the devil beguile you into something else. Because that's what he's doing. He's amusing the church. He's entertaining the church. He's deceiving the church. Oh God, help us to come back to our knees. I'd rather stay when I see these little children going out for, for the morning in the back with 
ready. And I see some of them with their hands. Somebody's leading some of them. And I think to myself, every time I get big in myself, I end up back there where I have to hold on to Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm nothing. God, without you, I can't make it. I can't make week to week. I can't make a sermon to sermon without Jesus. I can't do it. You can't do it. Enemies trying to steal, kill, and destroy that relationship that Christ paid to give you. We are back in the right relationship with our Heavenly Father. Praise God. Everybody stand. While they sing a song, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to come in that door. There's only one door. I, I watched, I believe it was yourself or somebody. No, it's another gal, Jimmy's wife. I watched a guy this week and he showed a picture of a church that the Van Gogh guy painted, which was a, a painter back in the late 1800s. And this, this guy back in the late 1800s was named Van Gogh. He only lived 37 years. And he died. He wanted to be a preacher. His father and his grandfather was a preacher. But when he tried to do it, they wouldn't accept it. He just couldn't seem to get it. He couldn't seem to get in the door. He couldn't seem to get his foot planted. He couldn't seem to figure out what they expected of him. <coughs> Why am I telling you this? He drew a picture after that because he was a painter. You know what the picture was about? It had a great, beautiful church right in the middle of town. All the way around this church, there was roads going by. There was windows all over, but not one door. You know why he drew it that way? He couldn't figure out how to get in. You think he didn't know what he was talking about? He never found Jesus. He never found out that the door to the church is through Christ. The only way you can get into this salvation is through what Jesus did for you at Calvary. Isn't that sad to read about somebody that died at a young age, wanted to be a preacher, didn't know, he didn't understand it any. He couldn't figure out how to get in the door. That's what he saw. He couldn't find himself in Christ. But I tell you, he's holding his hand out for you today. He'll call you by your name. Sue said it. He's speaking to somebody today. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows every thought you ever thought. He knows how evil you've been and how good you've been. He knows where you come from. He knows what you're made up of. And yet he loves you with How can you say that about anybody? Sometimes your mom and dad won't love you for that way. But God says, I know all about you. And I love you. I'm telling you, I can restore you. I can bring life to you. I can put you inside. I can fix the inside. From the inside out, he'll work it. He'll do the work. If that's you, you come. We don't save you. He'll save you. You're coming to him while they sing. On a hill. 
says something I want you here he said Jesus said except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die it abides alone but if it die it brings forth much fruit you gotta die to yourself you hear what I'm saying Christian that's that's the gospel we're not only to come to him we're not only to suffer for him and believe him but we're to die to ourselves next verse says 
He that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Are you looking for eternal life or are you looking for life here? Because you need to drop your life here. I'm not, that's not my word, it was Jesus' word. Because he loved me, he laid down his life and died. You think God's going to let you come some other way? No, only by him. And it's up to you to make that choice. You have to. I can't make you come. I can't tell you to come. I can only tell you he loves you and his arms of grace and mercy are open today. Someday, real soon, Jesus is going to put Satan in the lake of fire. How many knows that final blow to his head will be over? His death is coming. His destruction is coming. His stopping, he'll never be there to tempt again. He will be put down. How many knows that? That's Bible. See, my end of my Bible says we win. Holding on to Jesus, we win. It's his way, not our way, his way. While they sing again, one more verse of chorus. You come if you can. If you need to, you come.
I don't know what holds sometimes. I know the enemy will tell you, you don't need to do this. That's not for you, somebody else. But I want you to know something. I don't care if you're a young person or who you are. You get saved, you're not going to go home and he's going to change your face and you're going to be an old, ugly person. You know what? You're going to be happy. He's going to relieve. God's going to relieve that worry inside of you that if you died today, where would you be tomorrow? He's going to take that fear away. He's going to implant his love and his mercy inside of you. And you won't have to worry about quitting friends. You know what? They'll quit you. You fall in love with Jesus. You receive him as your Savior and your Lord. And you will find out he'll change you. He'll turn you around. He'll make you innocent when you ain't innocent. He'll make you happy when you got nothing to be happy about. Because he has the joy of the Lord. It's what strengthens it, makes us know that we're his. Listen to what I'm telling you. Don't run from God. Someday soon, I keep seeing that judgment day. I keep seeing God saying, depart from me. I never knew you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. One, one way and one the other. You think it's going to be that way? I want to tell you something. God's true to his word. He's true. His word will not go away. Go away, avoid. It'll come true. I'm not trying to drag you here. I'm not trying to hold you here. I'm trying to tell you, don't put away, don't put off what God's dealing with today. These altars will always be open. If you need to pray after church has stopped, you come, somebody will pray with you. Okay? But I'm going to have Mark to dismiss us. And after that, if you need to come, 